Welcome back to Kingdom Testimony. I'm going to upload this as a supplement to Hosea 4 that I just posted on the Kingdom Testimony podcast. I was talking about Bible translations. And I was thinking, you know what, in my... Um, gigantic Thompson chain reference King James Version Bible. This thing is huge. Found it at a thrift store. Pardon the page turning. Um, it is thick. It's like three, at least three inches thick. This is the fifth improved edition, 1988. But in the back, I would say a good one-fifth of it has, um, you know, like Bible study aids, things where it's like, so you can know certain things. And it has 78 different little sections. And the one that I honed in on was the origin and growth of the English Bible. So these are translations and how they all came about. And I talked quite a bit in Hosea 4 about translations. So that would have been the podcast post right before this one. So on this page, 4,220 of this big book, this is my King James Version study chain reference. Um, it talks about the origin and growth of the English Bible. Now, I can't read this word for word because it is not in the public domain. But I can show you what I'm looking at. So here's a chart. And it has how the translations came about of the English Bible since the age of printing began. Okay, so it says... We don't know when the books were originally written, and I'm paraphrasing. Um, each copy was was copied over by hand. Okay, so some of the ancient books were lost. All right, and the original manuscripts were lost. Um, it talks about three principal ones: the Codex Codex. Sinaiticus, all right, now this is the Romans that had this, a codex of the Greek Bible belonging to the 4th century. Okay, these are ones that we have the most ancient copies from the original manuscripts. This is what they actually have. The second one is the Codex Vaticanus from the Vatican Library at Rome. It originally contained the whole Bible, but parts are lost. Um, copied over around the 4th century. The third one is the Codex Alexandrinus from about the 5th century, now in the British Museum, contains the whole Greek Bible, but has 40 lost leaves. So that would have been like the New Testament. And then there's ancient versions, the Septuagint from 285 BC, the Samaritan Pentateuch, um, it's not a version, but it's the Hebrew text perpetrated in Samaritan characters. 
the Peshito or Syriac, which is the whole Bible, uncertain of a date, translated into the common language um, in Syria, and the Vulgate, which I'm sure you've all heard of, the entire Bible translated into the Latin language by Jerome at Bethlehem around 400 A.D., so for a thousand years, this was the standard Bible in the Roman Catholic Church. So all of these bits and pieces throughout all of these centuries were kept and stored and rewritten into new languages and that sort of thing. And I want to keep going back to the fact that God has being that his word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, he has a way of preserving the comprehension of what he wants his people to know. So there's so many people out there, and I've said it myself, that the translations over the years have lost their original meaning. But what we have is we still have the original words, especially in the Old Testament, that that were painstakingly expounded on by James Strong and Gassinius. And that's why I talked about that in Hosea 4. That's what I like to base what I'm reading on. If I get to a section and I'm like, I don't quite understand this, I will look at Strong's and Gassinius, which most of the time agree. And Gassinius is just more information he, he was a little more thorough. Um, so what I'm looking at in this chart is we have the early copies of the Codex Alexandrinus from 425 AD, the Codex Vaticanus from 340 AD, and the Codex Sinaiticus from 330 AD. So this is what we have, what they had. <clears throat> And then the original manuscripts from 100 AD up to 1500, back going back to 1500 BC. So they had the original manuscripts and then they had these Latin three. They had the ancient copies, ancient versions, and then they had the Vulgate from 400 AD. And from there, we get Wycliffe of 1380. Now this is AD or CE, however you like to say it. We have Tyndale of 1525, all of these are AD. Coverdale, 1535. Matthews, 1537. Great, 1539. Geneva, 1560. Bishops, 1568. Douay, never heard of that one, D-O-U-A-Y from 1610. The original King James from 1611. The Revised Version from 1881, and the American Standard from 1901. So really nothing happened from 1600 to the late 1800s. That's why King James, you know, was just so widely accepted. So in the 1950s on up, we have the RSV, Berkeley Amplified, JB, I don't know what that stands for, N-E-B, N-A-S-B. LB, or paraphrased, TEV, NIV, New King James, 
And then 1985 on up, we have New Jerusalem Bible, RSV, Revised English, Today's NIV, ESV, KJV, er, er, Easy Reader, uh, The Message, CSB, CKJV, NCPB, AV7, DNKJB, MEV, SKJV, and of course I mentioned before that the Passion Translation is, um, that is by Brian Simmons, is still in the process of being translated. <clears throat> so I just read like over 20 or 30 of them, of translations. There's Bible study Bibles that are not necessarily translations like Holman and all those other ones. Those are not necessarily translations, at least I don't think so, but they're like Bible study Bibles. So there's, and then there's the American King James um, that I have a copy of that. That's not listed here. I'm not sure when that came out. It's very recent. So so what I'm saying is, like I, like I said in Hosea 4, that I'm not retranslating the Bible with this series. I What I want to do is go back to the words that were originally given. So I had mentioned the Gesenius Hebrew Chaldee Lexicon was originally published in 1800? No, that doesn't sound right. Um, it, was a, it was an old book. And James Strong, yes, 1800, I looked it up. And the Strong's Concordance was originally published in 1890. And like I said, these guys spent their, a good chunk of their lives pouring over these old manuscripts and so this would have been, Gesenius would have been after the King James one, and then as the revised version was coming out, then James Strong was working on the original, looking through, because they, they started making this stuff available to the public, pouring over these, these old manuscripts or copies of the original words that were given to find out their original meaning. So in 1320 to 1384, we have Wycliffe, and a lot of people have, have uh, heard of Wycliffe, a great English scholar and Bible student, um, translated it into common English about 1380. We have Tyndale. A lot of people have heard about Tyndale. Uh, early reformer, he, want, he thought that people should have the Bible in their own in their own language, but persecution made it impossible for him to do his work in England. Why? Why? When that's where, now, okay, not yet have they done the King James, but there was persecution in England. And this is where we got our King James version from. So he went to, um, in 1525 and 1530, he transferred over to the continent. Not saying where that was at. Uh, he was martyred before he completed the Old Testament. 
So he was martyred because he wanted to to bring the 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 um, Bible to the English speaking people. This gives you a little bit of an idea of of how hard it was to bring the Bible to people. Then we have Coverdale, a friend of Tyndale. He published a Bible dedicated to Henry VIII. His New Testament is largely based on Tyndale's. We have Matthew's Bible, uh, same second edition of the Coverdale. Never heard of this guy. The Great Bible, 1539. This is based on Matthew's Coverdale and Tyndale Bibles. The Geneva Bible, 1560, was made at Geneva by scholars who fled from England during the persecution by Queen Mary. We have the Bishop's Bible, Archbishop of Canterbury during the reign of Elizabeth. We have the Douay Bible, which is a Roman Catholic version from the Latin Vulgate. And then we have the King James or Authorized Version in 1611. Um, made by 47 scholars under the authorization of King James I of England. So the place that martyred Tyndale, now all of a sudden, um, what, less than 100 years later, is authorizing this, uh, this Bible. You know, I'm, I'm suspicious of that. The revised version was from English and American scholars. It was supposed to be a revision of the authorized version. Um, and then the American Standard Version of 1900 incorporates into the text the reading preferred by the American members of the revision committee. So... We can be thankful, you know, and then it does go into all of the other ones since then, but, you know, but we can be thankful that we have this, but it's just very suspicious of me, and I can't help it. The original manuscripts, the when Rome got a hold of, Rome was the one that destroyed the temple in 70 A.D., and then they get a hold of these manuscripts in 100 AD and hang on to them all these years and won't let them out. You know, the Roman Catholic Church in England has these and they won't let them out to the people. But they decide to, you know, what was what's the deal with the Vulgate? That was Latin, Roman Catholic Church. I'm not I'm not dissing on the Roman Catholic Church. I myself used to be Catholic, but I'm just saying that Rome destroyed Jerusalem and the temple at the city of David, and then they took all these manuscripts and they're like, no, they're ours, and hung on to them for centuries. Three and four hundred years later, they have these codex ones um, held in the Vatican at Rome. Then they have the ancient versions, and then they have the Vulgate in 400 AD, and nothing happens for a thousand years. Nothing happens with all of this. 1380, you have Wycliffe, and that's it. <clears throat> it's just, it's very, it's, uh, 
It's very suspicious. Sorry, can't get over it. So that's why I want to study it. Um, you know, yes, I believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. Of course I do. There's so many translations out there. What did I say? You know, 30 or more, 20 to 30. You know, that you can read the Bible for yourself. I hate to keep driving that point home. It is not blasphemy or heresy or anything else to take the King James and Strong's and Gesenius and look at it for yourself. You can do that. And you can look at all the other translations too to help you see what is it God wants us to know in these last days. Because we are living in the last of the last days. So study to make your study to show yourself. I don't remember what that verse is. I didn't know what it is, so I thought I better look it up. <laughs> study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Perfect, perfect verse. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And looking at that, verse 16, shun profane and vain babblings. They will increase unto more ungodliness. So study, this is what I'm saying now in Strong's Concordance, 2 Timothy 2.15, study, um, earnest, prompt, diligent, labor, study, to show yourself so that you can stand and be at the ready, approved, acceptable, approved unto God, a workman, toiler, teacher, laborer, that needs not be ashamed. Of course, not isn't in there, but then you read it in the Greek and it says, not ashamed. So yes, rightly dividing, dissecting the word. We know what the word is, the logos of truth. There you go, 2 Timothy 2.15. Love it. All right, this is longer than I wanted it to be, but I hope this helps you. Thank you and have a blessed day.